everyone. It's been a minute, but I am back. And today I am joined by my friend and brilliant upcoming actress, Victoria. So she is a stage, radio, film and TV actress, and she's definitely one to watch. And I had the great pleasure of working with her on my short film. So she is here today to talk all things theatre, acting and God knows what else. Hello. Hello. Thank you for that marvellous introduction. So I think... And maybe I don't know all the details of this, but can you tell me, how did you get into acting? When was the moment you went, ah, oh, that's what I want to do? Well, oh, I always knew, but it was like something, it was something I suppressed that I didn't even like share with anyone until literally like a year ago. I think when I was little, I saw, I don't remember exactly what my first play that I saw was. It was either Fiddler on the Roof, The Music Man, or Anything Goes, one of those at the school I went to. It was, it was done by the high schoolers, so though. I was in elementary school and I fell in love with theater. And then when I was 12, I saw my first Broadway show, which was Annie Get Your Gun with Bernadette Peters. And the, oh, like I can still like remember that feeling um, once the show started with there's no business like show business like the moment they he started singing that I had like my first full body chill sensation and I was like it almost like made me cry it was like I need to be here I need to be here so I always like loved theater but then as I was growing up you know I didn't really have any support emotionally uh to like embrace really like you know what I loved and who I am and so I never like really shared that I did I did some theater camps when I was like going into high school but it was during high school it was never anything that I like pursued I was you know looking for love in all the wrong places instead (laughs) and then you know I became a mom at 22 and I just figured that my dreams were they could never it could never happen I could never have a chance to act because I've been so busy raising a child on my own and you know life happens so then a year ago I finally started taking like my first class and that was like on the heels of my worst heartbreak and disappointment ever but my ex did actually like I shared with him that that was like my dream like to be an actress and he actually said that he could could see me doing that and that that was really all I needed was like somebody that I cared about to like give me like that little drop of validation right before we broke up it's like when I first started taking my first scene study class and then like two weeks after we broke up was when I had my first audition and which got me a lead role in a seven episode series which will probably never manifest (laughs) heard anything about it but I felt like it was a good omen for my acting career if anything (laughs) so do you feel like having an acting coach or attending like workshops and things like how important do you think that is to this pathway of becoming an actress I think it's vital like if you want to take it seriously because there's plenty of there's plenty of opportunities for community theater to get experience, which is great, but it's not the same as like one-on-one personal training. Like even a scene study class is not enough. Like I think having an acting coach is vital. And and other people I've met that have gone to acting school have said like they felt like it was kind of a waste of money that they could have gotten the same from a good acting coach. And I'm, oh, I love my coach, Christopher Chui. I manifested him. <laughs> He's the perfect match for me. And 
just having someone that is truly like on your team that knows your limits, that's knows your strengths and believes in you, you know, they, they know your strengths and weaknesses so they can, you know, really cater to that. Whereas in a class, you don't get like that personalized experience. Just since having a coach, um, because I started working with him in I think October or September, I felt like once I started working with him, it was just like booking away, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, just constant booking. And, um, yeah, and, you know, he's helped me with all my auditions and, you know, giving me notes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think it's vital. I feel like you want to take it seriously, which I do. And, he, you know, he can guide me in the right direction to turn this into like a a, a paid thing someday I hope <laughs> um it's absolutely vital yeah well I think that everyone has to start somewhere there and there are so many different pathways now in the creative industry to get to where you want to go you know it used to be like do this go to a dramatic art school like Juilliard yeah. or even Yale University I'm talking US because that's where you're based but here it would be NIDA but you don't have to do that and I think practical experience is one of the best things that you can do and just watching you since I first met you I am astounded at the variety like the array of things that you've already done like you must (laughs) Shakespeare within like a week basically (laughs) I think there's a lot to be said about like if it's your passion and it's your dedication and you're paired up with the right team to like mentor Mm. you guide you and navigate you the sky's the limit I'm excited to keep seeing what you what you've done so on that note tell us what you have done and tell us what you like about the different things like community theater so um so I mentioned the first role I had was lead role in a series which it was definitely a learning experience uh because everything that could go wrong Like it was such a disaster. <laughs> like nothing was like you would have lost your shit because nothing was I'm organized. <laughs> yeah, you're organized. And there was no organization at all. Like they they tried. Like we would have a schedule and nothing would ever like happen according to the schedule. It was just a nightmare. So it was a good learning experience. And it was, you know, I had to really set boundaries with my time. And energy because I wasn't being paid. You know, I wasted or put in uh, like hundred, uh, definitely probably like two hundred hours, I'd say, into this series. And I don't have any footage. I don't think they've even made an episode yet, which I saw coming just from the way it was going. But whatever, it was it was an experience. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then I did my first play was Lovesick in Bennington. And that was a fun, that was a fun play because it was like nine different vignettes of like love stories, like, but not really like there were love stories gone wrong kind of. So that was, that was a great first play. Then after that, I did right after that, I got the role of Olivia in Twelfth Night Shakespeare, which was like, I still can't even believe I did it. (laughs) That role was made for you after watching you. It really was. (laughs) definitely it was made for me I loved it I miss it I still know all my lines even before I started acting I always thought like Shakespeare sounded like Chinese to me like I could never understand it and but it was always like a 
like a goal of mine. I was like, I wish I could know Shakespeare and learn it. And I fucking learned it and I fucking killed it. So yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I met you because like you, you take it seriously. But when you're a young actress, like, you, you know, just starting out and you have to work with like amateur filmmakers, it's really, you know, it's such a gamble because you will likely not get your footage it seems and like you know from what I've heard from a lot of other people too so I definitely prefer theater because of that um although filming with you is so fun uh oh and then motherfucker with the hat which I recently just did and I played myself Victoria if I grew up in the city and worked on Wall Street once upon a time because everything else about that character I related to (laughs) She was in a toxic relationship that she kept saying she was leaving and she didn't leave. And she sought validation from men, like attention. And her husband's name was Ralph and <laughs> a great show. I wish the part for me had been a little bit bigger, but it's okay. Cause I really love the character. <laughs> yeah. You know, you are still learning your craft and I think we always are. I don't think it matters what level of experience that you really have. Cause every inception of whatever thing that you're doing be it theater or tv film or whatever is always going to be different different cast different crew how do you approach your character I definitely always read the whole script first that's always the first thing and then find myself able to relate with pretty much almost anyone in some way you know, I've always been really, I'm an empath. I've always been really empathetic and can find something about mostly anybody that I can relate to or understand in some way that I've like observed in someone else. So I I always, you know, when it's my character, I just think of like, how would I feel or like how, you know, how, how would I feel? And when is the time in my life that I have felt like this you know to really like bring the emotion if I'm saying something you know as a character that you know is supposed to be sad and heartbreaking then you know connect it to like a time in my personal life that like I felt heartbroken or or whatever the emotion is is it hard for you to jump out of the roles because we had talkbacks that motherfucker with the hat both nights that we had them, somebody asked us like how, cause there was a lot of intense emotions in the show and everybody or people would ask at both talkbacks, like, how do you guys like, just like disconnect so quick. And we're all like, when we were backstage talking about it, we're all like, cause we're actors. I don't know. That's just what we do. We know it's not real in the moment. We know that our industry is, is pretty challenging in, in that there's a lot of obstacles, but what mindset do you think? And I think we're really good like a good team like paired up with each other because Mm -hmm. we are like no it's going to happen it's going to happen just keep going keep going keep going you know creativity is is an ebb and flow like there are definitely periods I don't want to write I don't want to write but you'd be like no what about this idea and then I'll get inspired what do you say to people who are like oh you've only been acting for a year or like any of the negative comments that you come up against well, technically, I've been acting my whole life, is no. what I like to tell people. <laughs> I just started pursuing it a year ago. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Answer. I mean, and everybody's an actor if you want to really get down to it. We all fucking act every day. When somebody asks how you're doing and you say good, but in the, on the inside, you're like, not good, you know? All the stage, right? Does now Shakespeare hit that right on the head? Like, all the world is a stage. It really is. So I actually surprisingly have not 
knock on wood, like dealt yet with like anyone being like, oh, no one has said anything like that to my face. I have felt the vibes <laughs> I've told you about, you know, some people I've worked with, um, you know, having a little bit of jealousy, questioning my experience and thinking that they can direct me or, you know, when it's not their place. I spent a lot of time in New York and obviously we spent a lot of time working together, but also playing together. And a lot of that involved seeing shows. And I, you know, had the the luxury of going to many, many shows. And I went to see one called Walking with Bubbles. And I remember just like, I was in such a daze after it, it really had an emotional impact on me. And I refer to her story all the time with you. And I was like, you have to see it, you have to see it, you have to see it because it's a personal story of um, so Jess, the actress that is playing it, of her story of like all these obstacles that she had in life, Broadway and like kids and personal life and mental health, and yet here she is doing it. And I always think those stories, like I love them because it's I love rooting mm-hmm. for the underdog and for the person that's like, you know, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. You just have to keep like telling yourself you can do it, you can do it. Because a lot of people love to tell you that you can't. So we love that. Yeah. But- yeah. And you know I've like prepared myself to hear that because like I've I've gotten that from like you know so many other things in my life like oh you can't or like no like you're you're not supposed to like fucking be happy you're supposed to just be a mom and make you know pay your bills and not do anything for yourself and so I've been so I, I came into starting this path like you know prepared to like face that but I feel like anyone who even thinks that I've proven wrong just with my talent, <laughs> you know, like no, no one can tell me. Let your talent do the talking. <laughs> Let exactly. The do the talking. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I like not to sound full of myself, but I know that like no one can tell me like from hearing me or watching me that I'm, that I shouldn't be doing this. We have things in the pipeline that we're going to work on too, which is fun. Yes, I cannot wait. <laughs> so let's talk about when we were hanging out in New York and some of the, a lot of the great things I saw were off Broadway, but something that we really love. <laughs> what's <laughs> what's your favourite uh, Broadway show, Vic? Wicked, of course. <laughs> we love Wicked. Oh. <sighs> We really have like a wicked problem. <laughs> like, I was—I have to say—I was pretty disappointed with Broadway this year. Yeah, you know, it says me with all my Tony Awards. Uh, but I—that's <laughs> I, like my favorite thing—is going to New York or West End and just indulging myself in theater. I saw a couple of good things. Prima Facie was amazing. Oh, I'm so sad I missed it. Walking with Bubbles, which was off Broadway, was amazing. But everything else I kind of like, I don't know, maybe it just wasn't my my type of thing, but Wicked is something that we, it has been going for like 20 years now. Oh, um, my God. I guess for people who haven't seen, a lot of people I speak to like, oh, I don't like musicals. Blah, blah, blah. Let's prove them wrong. <laughs> Tell me why Wicked is so good in your opinion. Oh, my God. Where to start? Do you think it starts oh with God. a story? Do you think it really starts the- with yeah, the writing is so clever, so well done. The the orchestra, the you know, the music, the the acting, the costumes, the scenery, the setting, the every everything is just it's theater perfection. Like it's just 
the story though is just so it's so heartwarming and heart-wrenching at the same time oh my god I everyone I know that has seen it has seen it multiple times and I totally get it I mean I just saw it for the first time this year and I've already seen it three times yeah, we, went, <laughs> we were like we often sing to each other in text about we no. <laughs> I'm not going to do it now, but we do sing messages to each other. I still, to this day, I wake up every single day with a different Wicked song in my head. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. It's so good. It makes me cry, even though, like, I mean, the first time I was really like, <gasps> you know, like a mess because I didn't know what to expect. But like the second and third time, I still cried just as much because the it's just so good. The story's so good. And the acting, you know, I mean, Broadway is the best of the best I've become obsessed with scene like scenic design like and props like Mm -hmm. I I used to do stage management so I'm always like you you don't see those people you know you don't see those here's a question for you which I think is an important one when you are acting you're the forefront you're the stars right of the performance and you get usually all the accolades how do you treat the people who are the stage managers and the props managers? Because I've seen some pretty horrific behaviours go on backstage. So I would like to know, how do you, like, how have the productions you've been in? Like, how do you handle that? What's the standard that you guys set? For me personally, um, I mean, I'm I'm a very polite, nice person <laughs> to work with. Um, so I, and I'm very patient and tolerant. Um, so I, I mean, I've never had any so far I've not had any issues with anyone you know in the crew or observed any you know yeah because they're like an integral part you know like I feel like poor props managers absolutely I have so much appreciation for like stage hands uh, like our stage manager and motherfucker with the hat like she was like the mom of the show she was you know yeah. she's just she's so good like all of everyone that I've worked with you know back all the backstage crew like they've all been so good they're such hard workers and they don't get like any credit like they deserve their own round of applause <laughs> like it's such a an exercise in trust I think because imagine when you're on Broadway like you have to trust yeah. that's like big that's like some of those shows like a lot of props what's the one American Buffalo that is out of control with the amount of props. oh my god right I always like try to like take in the whole like and I love it when we get the playbills I like to look at like who even if it's a quiet acknowledgement, I'm like, okay, I'm still acknowledging in my head that there's so many people mm-hmm. involved. Oh, totally. Like it truly, it takes a whole village and people don't, don't realize that that aren't like involved. Like you said, you know, they just like go to the show and like, you know, yay for the actors and like, that's it. But like, no, but the, the director and, and the, the orchestra, if it's a musical, like the orchestras always blow my mind. Like they are like so that's why I love um Chicago on Broadway so much because they're right on stage and you get to see like them putting their heart and soul and having so much fun and it's oh my god like and they get their they get their own applause because they're on stage (laughs) but yeah like it takes such a big village and people that are just you know casual theater goers and not really theater goers um don't really like we get the magnitude of you know people it takes to like put this on to make you feel something for 90 to 120 minutes you know 
we were really lucky. We got to see Phantom of the Opera. It was on its closing run. Yeah. I think we saw it a week before it closed on Broadway. Yeah. And that was an amazing experience to have. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't imagine how many, like, the costumes alone. They said that each actor has, like, their own dresser, like, a person that dresses, like, gets them in and out of costume, like, quick, like, it's a very choreographed thing. Like, oh, my God, it's just, there's just so many parts to it. So we've addressed your favorite (laughs) musical. Out of everything we saw on Broadway in the most recent season, what was the least favorite thing that we saw? Oh man, a doll's house. Controversial, but we both hated it. <laughs> Very controversial. I was so excited. I had booked that well in advance before I'd come over, remember? Because I was like, oh, Jessica. Not only were we trapped in there, which gave me instant anxiety <laughs> that if I have to go to the toilet, there's no interval. Yeah. We're going into this very considered, and we've had many long conversations about this. Like, we really have, because we really want to understand why everyone thought it was so good. I just don't get it. (laughs) Now, as an actress, tell me why, because we had different reasons, but tell me why you found it difficult. Like, what was missing from it that you struggled with? I just don't understand the, the, the choice to do a doll's house in a minimalist setting when. The script has so much setting and props and actions written in the script and the director just disregards all of that. And it's a minimalist setting, no props, no scenery, no costume, no choreography, no miming, no blocking. I just, you know, the script is the Bible. If it's written in the script, it's for a reason. Like you shouldn't, you not need to, like you need to not only follow what the, characters are saying but also if there's actions that needs to be done if there's a setting you know like do your best to portray that setting and just on the first page there's a huge paragraph of the setting and and this fucking show has nothing but a fucking turned lazy susan in the middle of the stage like what the fuck What's really bizarre is that I had seen his other works. I had seen Betrayal in London. So there's the same spinning stage thing and there's there's similar elements. But that was amazing. Maybe because yeah. I thought it was a brilliant use of the stage and how it, it used the direction of movement to capture certain emotions. But on, on this one, I I really struggled with it because I think... There's a lot of great actors in that, don't get me wrong. Like yeah. but I don't I don't feel like you can just rely on great acting sometimes. We also have like a bit of a gripe about like paying Broadway prices. I feel like what did we say? What did what did you say to me? If you're paying Broadway prices, you expect. What do we expect? Yeah, I expect a fucking prop at the very least. <laughs> like prop come on. A fucking costume. <laughs> Like, at least. Like, that's absurd. Not even a ring. They couldn't even exchange rings at the end. Like, that's when I, like, I was just so done (laughs) at the end when they they just stood in front of each other when they're exchanging rings. Uh, I just, come on. People are paying hundreds of dollars to watch you fucking spin like on stage, not even blocking, no, not even mining. Come on, I expect a prop or something going on. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because we're both really open-minded, especially 
especially like with my film background, like I really love abstract and modern and yeah, I really try to understand where someone's coming from. And I think you and I both, we will, it's not, yeah. we're really looking for a reason to like it and to understand. <laughs> yeah. And we just couldn't. And we still no. <laughs> sorry if Kathleen ever listens to this but not sorry like come on the podcast and talk to us about what we missed it was just not the right like design for that show like that I'm not opposed to that like I still think that that kind of setting would work like, amazingly that- well for constellations yeah well what about um or just a different venue you know like where mm-hmm. At the round, the round. What is it? There's a theater that is. I saw American Buffalo there. It's very small. It's just a circular. The capacity is more intimate. Maybe that would have worked. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this. I feel like it got lost. I mean, we were on the balcony, but we weren't like up the back. Back, like we were like right on the first dress. So it was just so bad. And I don't even, you know, most of the characters except for you know her Jessica Chastain and the husband, like they were like in a like monotone voice and like that was the the direction it seems um we will just never know a lot of it split audiences though didn't it like it really was quite divisive from what we've read we have been because we like to call ourselves out like we don't want to be like if someone explained it to me and I could see their point of view I'd be like sure I can take that on board but I just can't with this one I I really feel like uh I loved off-Broadway stuff. Like Soho Playhouse is one of my consistently favourite venues for just like, I mean, Fleabag like showed there. I know that it didn't premiere there, mm-hmm. but like that type of, and I feel like they really put their heart and soul into those performances, you know, because they're not on Broadway yet, but some of them are just as good or had already been on or it's just like a different vibe. I so, want to perform there. Yeah. <laughs> what, okay, if you could perform anywhere. Talk to me about your ideal things. Like, would you want to do Shakespeare in the Park? That's a big thing there in Central Park. Oh, that definitely. Shakespeare in the Park, because that's like, I've heard a lot about that. And that's gets so a big audience or can get a big audience. Anywhere on Broadway. I, actually, you know, New York City stage is my goal. So like literally any theater in New York City is where I'd love to be and West End uh, for sure. So this might be a silly topic, but it's a topic that we both feel very strongly about. And we've been discussing it for a long time. Now, if you're going to hate, you might want to just skip along. But when I was little, I think the very first thing I went to was 42nd Street. My dad was um, really into tap dancing and musicals. I mean, he's very introverted and reserved, but he did really enjoy musicals. Um, so we went to that. And I just, it like from a very early age, no rustling, no opening of packets. If you're chewing, you chew with your mouth quietly and it was like you were almost like sucking the popcorn till it was nearly like flat so that you didn't make any noise in the cinema. We didn't have phones back then, so that wasn't a big issue. But even then it's like, I don't know, I felt like I grew up with common courtesies of what not to do in a theatre show. Mm -hmm. We have a real issue because we have been to many shows and it happened to me just yesterday at the Australian Ballet where people just ruin it for you really and you're paying a lot of money let's talk about things you shouldn't do when you go to see performances you have had a phone go off right in a performance yes it was very quick and I you know so I could forgive them (laughs) it didn't happen again (laughs) 
Luckily. And I think, yeah. And it was only one time, um, you know, which is one time too many, but because it was a smaller theater, it only held like 120 people or something like that. I think the etiquette, because I've seen shows there, like it's, you know, people follow the rules better because it is, it is a smaller theater. And like, I think in bigger theaters, maybe it's like they think that they can get away with it because they're farther away from the stage and like they just don't care about the audience members around them. I don't know. Like, well, I'm going to let it rip. Like, there is no excuse. Like, not no, only general knowledge to turn your phone off. So I'm old school. I turn my phone. I'm sure you've seen me all yep. the off, right? <laughs> all the goddamn way off. I don't have an issue if you want to put it on aeroplane mode, but if you're going to do that, may I suggest you turn the volume all the way down? Okay, because I can handle a vibration better than I can handle noise. So I don't think there's any excuse. They even have signs and announcements to turn new phone. Not one Broadway show or off-Broadway show did I go to where I didn't have a phone dinging, ringing, or a reminder of someone's go off. It's absurd. It's so disrespectful to everyone to the people around you that paid to enjoy the show that are in immersed because it takes you out of the experience you know and and to the 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 crew and the actors like it's it's just it's like giving the middle finger um like any phone use like especially like recording like at the end they uh, let you you know when they've finished their performance no one minds a sneaky snap these people that repeatedly are like glowing or people texting on their phones was remember in Mm. phantom there was someone texting in front of us the whole time and i was ready to like rip the phone out of their hand Mm -hmm. and singing oh my god like let's talk about that so I mean, and Juliet's a good example because there's a lot of modern songs and Moulin Rouge. Yeah, that, like, Moulin Rouge, I could not, like, really, I couldn't enjoy fully because everyone around me wouldn't shut the fuck up. Singing, talking, um, even after being shushed, like, still, like, you know, whispering, like, we could still hear you, though, um, and singing along, and it was just, it, it took me out of the experience, and I was just irritable the entire time yeah it's a bit different like I think in New York New York and at the end of Moulin Rouge yes there's an invitation that's a very obvious invitation by the cast and crew to sing because those productions land to it but yesterday at the ballet I was just so gobsmacked that people you have two intermissions right what are intermissions for Vic to check your phone go to the bathroom get snack whatever like (laughs) during intermission right and then when you come back to sit down the ballet theatre is dead quiet, and this is the Australian ballet, so I just couldn't get over the amount of rustling and rustling and rustling. Like, you've had all this time to have a snack and you're choosing to have, like, a full-on chompathon in the middle of the Australian <laughs> ballet. Like, you can't wait two hours till you get outside. Go wild. Eat all the junk food you want. Have all the chalk tops that you want. It really is rude. But you bring up, uh, I think yesterday you said it to me, like, the counter point is if you say anything, what's the rebuttal that we're meant with? I paid for this ticket so I can do what I want. Like a real. It definitely is. It's I, like, okay, well, I paid for this to not be disturbed by you. Like, and there's rules to the theater. Like there's in the plate, not that anybody, but like real, you know, theater people like looks at the playbill. I don't know why they, it's like hidden in the playbill now, like the rules and the expectations. Um, They should. I think that they should have an announcement for the show 
goes on like from somebody in character being like no phones no blah 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 blah. you can do the phone thing like they're definitely I've definitely heard like announcements of phone but you're talking like everything like don't they should do it at every point because it's becoming such a problem uh it's crazy it's it's because of fucking iPhones <laughs> we we want to start a, a group well me especially called the Broadway police and there was one guy who was amazing at Phantom God love him who was on yeah. it wasn't he yeah we need more like that like policing I don't know I, I can't remember but there was some I've seen some good Broadway polices like, <laughs> like policemen I want to start a group the Broadway police like, yeah. like as soon as they see like a phone screen turn on like there's not even a sound they're like right there like put that away okay, now like and they're being publicly shamed and I love it for <laughs> <laughs> public naming and shaming and if you're a repeat offender you don't get to come to Broadway sorry I agree well, my other bugbear is people commentating like every, like every, like there are very dedicated pauses in ballet where you, you, you know, if you know where to clap and if you don't, maybe just watch everybody else. But people just talking the whole way through, like really or running commentary, like, oh my gosh, look at her arms and she's doing this with a tutu. It's like, oh my gosh, watch the thing. Oh my God, that's so rude. It's so annoying. Yeah, but then I feel rude for turning around and being like, shut up. No, because, like, the performers want your full attention. They don't want you, like, chatting and, you know, like, uh, you know. Well, like, it's great. I love that it's evoking people to want to talk about it, but wait till after. Yes. When you've got Wait till after. Like, Mm -hmm. you and I even wait till we're off the premise if we're going to start ripping into the thing that we did <laughs> just as common courtesy you know because we don't want to be that, that those people oh new york new york another one yeah that was not good that was like after doll's house that was my least favorite which is very unfortunate because it's not it was it's, i blame it on the writing i remind myself of those two cranky muppet men just com- like critiquing, <laughs> critiquing films what would you like to see on broadway now or just in general uh, right now I really want to see Parade before that closes. I like everything that was on my list just closed this past weekend. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god, Aladdin was like one of the best things I've seen. Like that was amazing. What made it amazing though? Let's differentiate. Like why? The costumes were yeah. just beyond. <laughs> like they were magnificent. The acting was was perfection. The choreography, you know, the the genie was just brilliant he was so good and there was he broke the fourth wall a lot which i love i love that yeah the the genie was he was the star of the show he was brilliant the choreography and oh my god it's just so so good you're a a big fan of choreography aren't you like that's a big thing Mm. yeah well i I watch dance moms like all day so (laughs) big fan big fan what about are there any like broadways that you might not ever get to see but you still want to like to have seen sunday in the park with george like i just missed oh, jake was yes i still i'm still like so sad that i missed west side story when it came back um because me and my friend were gonna see it and then COVID happened and that's been like my favorite musical since i was a, a little girl like i love west side story so much 
Oh, so like definitely if I could go back in time to see any like yeah. original Broadway show, it would be West Side Story, like the original. I, I saw it when I was in Canada. It was um it was called Broadway Across Canada. And I saw Cats and I have never seen it. And I thought, gosh, I really should see it. You know, like it's one of it's in the canon of Broadway. Yeah. I'm so disappointed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but we saw Bad Cinderella. I saw Bad Cinderella and it was another flop. Oh, I'm glad that <laughs> Yeah. So what do you think? Because I didn't see it. Was it the story or like the music? I didn't feel there really was a story. The, the okay. dancing, the theatric, the choreography was amazing. Like you could not fault yeah. it. The dancing was amazing, the costumes. But it was just kind of basically like we're introducing cats. There's a cat that doesn't really belong and that's <laughs> where Isabella like memorable. And it's like I, I knew from the story that it's meant to be like a metaphor for heaven. And mm. that, uh, look, it, it is, I mean, like theatre doesn't always have to make sense. And I say that about movies, like it doesn't have to be linear. Like, you know, David Lynch isn't linear, but it just kind of, I, I, I needed more than the spectacle of it. It'd be like Wicked without the storyline. It was just like these great dance and song numbers, but nothing to really piece it together for me. But oh, I can no, understand no. why when it came out, it was like, you know, it probably was very groundbreaking in terms of just the ridiculous level of athleticism and choreography that was going on. Right. You and I are very story, like heavily story focused. Well, yeah, because like that's what like makes you feel something is the the story. That's what connects you. It's no fault to the actors or any anybody else, but like the the it's like writing is just so important like there can't be a good show without good act or a good writing I I don't think there can be good anything without writing I'm obviously incredibly biased mm-hmm. by that because I am a writer but even directing like a, a good script helps a director be better in my opinion right so absolutely when you first read my script so heartbreak under a neon streetlight it was different to the to the one that we had to make in New York. I had to adapt it because of constraints and then further constraints as things did not go according to plan. So when you read a script, and we'll use this one as an example, and I, you were the main character, Tess, what is it that you are looking for when you're reading a script? Well, so, like, first I, you know, I see, like, what's going on with the character and, like, how I can relate to that. And I very much related to Tess because... I've been gaslit my entire fucking life by family, uh, every fucking boyfriend I've ever had, pretty much, friends. And the area that I really think I would like to do stories in the most is, you know, like love stories gone wrong, really. Because I relate to that the the most. That's like most of my life has been, you know, being disappointed and heartbroken and um, a lot of trauma from partners. So I really, it was really, you know, easy for me to instantly empathize and understand Tess, the character, because I've been through, you know, similar situations myself. So what was it like working with Curry? We love Curry, but the subject matter was pretty rough. Like you guys have some pretty brutal dialogue. How did you feel? Like it's, is it difficult when you actually like a person? It's weird for me because I'm not an actor. So when you're like busting out these really intense, disgusting dialogues at each other, what what is that like for you? 
Oh, I love Curry so much. It was love at first sight for me. <laughs> like, I think he's the best scene partner I've ever worked with. He's amazing. His just amazing energy. And I think because you know we we clicked right away. You know, he's because you knew him already. So like, I knew I I had no worries at all um, meeting him. For me personally, like I was able to trust him instantly as a scene partner. And so like, it doesn't, you know, we know that this is just, we're playing like, this is just, this is like real emotion (laughs) from us. This is like, we have a a common interest as like making this good and realistic. Oh, he's, he's just great. I love him. He was so great to work with. I hope, I hope I get to work with him again someday. He's so amazing and so underrated and we, we will fly his tag forever. I will assign him to me forever for every project. Yes. We were supposed to have a different budget and different things and that all kind of fell over for various reasons, but we still did it and we still did it because we cared about the story. And yes, we didn't have any money, but I don't think there's any excuse not to, if you really want something made, just make it like just do it like, just pick it up and do it we don't do it for the accolades they're nice but I think you and I are such good friends on that regard because we just want to tell stories that are important right real exactly. so now that you've got like a few things under your belt what how do you plan on working with like Chris to keep on working towards your acting goals like how do you keep building on what you've done what's the approach there um, well, he, oh, hopefully within like next year, like he, he says, um, I should be able to find an agent like within the next year. Now that I have a few credits, like maybe a little bit more, help judge up the <laughs> resume. We both need agents. Any agents listening, please <laughs> reach out. <laughs> HBO, we love you. <laughs> you always tell me a really great quote that I think Christopher imparted on you. Three things that will stop you from being a good act or or great actor is fear, laziness, and entitlement. And I think about that almost every fucking day. Like when I encounter people that are any of the above or all of the above, I am not lazy or entitled. He always tells me I just have a little bit of fear I need to get rid of, but but not a lot. I, I do think there's a lot to be said about natural talent too because you can practice your craft for a long time. Some people just have an innate gift. They pick it up quicker. I would say you're mm-hmm. in that category, luckily for you. <laughs> that you're Any kind of streaming, really, like a, a series, I'd love to be in like a long-term like. But like what type of TV show floats your boat? Like The Affair. Great, great <sighs> show. Oh, good. Also, I really want to like, get into like international film like a telenovela like you know spanish telenovela like in mexico or spain because i fucking love those i've always loved those i speak spanish beautifully you think my voice sounds beautiful in english (laughs) and broadway of course like broad like i i love theater more than film i love both um but theater is just so much more magical what do you do if you make a mistake what happens? I'm always like, how, what happens? What happens? <laughs> I, see, I always ask myself that like before, you know, way, way before performance, like what happens? Because, oh, like 12th night is a good example because I got sick like a few weeks before it opened. And I said to Tristan, my uh, other coach uh, who helped me with Shakespeare, I was like, what if I cough during the show? He's like, so cough. If you have to cough, then just do it. 
I was like, oh, okay. So I don't know. I haven't had, there's there's been a couple times where like I stumbled over like a word or like I skipped a one word line. Like I did that like once in motherfucker with the hat. Like I skipped like one line, like, and I like kept like, that was like, oh, well, never doing that again. I think in lovesick, we, we fucked around with our lines a little bit in one of the scenes, but we, because we had practiced so much, like, and we trusted each other, my scene partner and I, like, we found a way to get where we needed to go in the scene. What is something that you really don't like on stage about sticking to the script and sticking to what's been written? A lot of people like to ad lib. So what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. <laughs> I hate ad libbing. I think that should not be allowed when... Uh, if and when I'm ever a director <laughs> of uh, theater, that will not be allowed. Like I said earlier, like the script is Bible, especially in theater. Don't realize that like changing a word or even grammar, like where a pause is, can really change the emotional delivery of something. Right. And also, like, I have seen people adding ad libs, you know, in shows I've been in to get their point to to make their point of like an emotion rather than doing it non-verbally or like with an action and not telling yeah yeah and I to me honestly like that's the difference between someone who's trained and someone who isn't because I have been taught told never ever to ad lib but like I've been taught like that the script is a bible like Shakespeare was such a good lesson to me because there's no you definitely can't ad lib in, in Shakespeare even though that happened, I, but good old Will would be too impressed if that was happening. Like, you know what I mean? No, no, definitely not. Sure. There's a TV show like Curb Your Enthusiasm where there really isn't a script. There's an idea, but they're comedians and they're, they're really good at doing that. Seinfeld still had a script, but yes, they allowed improvisation. So there are, certain shows where those parameters are set but for everything else unless you're being told by a director right don't do it if you if you have a suggestion sure I mean some of the best lines in films weren't scripted like there's definitely that argument too but they're usually with really top tier actors but if every person had their opinion you would be changing scripts all the time (laughs) right and I think it's it's different at least like in my experience so far it's it's a lot different with theater and film because theater it's been done. It's, you know, it's been, been preserved. Like this is, you know what I mean? And like film, it's like, this is something new. So there's room for like your personalization. Like I've been told before, like it, you know, say it how you would say it, you know, a lot different with film, but like theater, I absolutely, I think it's just, it shows weak acting um, when people need to add in like, Oh my God, or, or fuck or whatever, like show that express that. Like I, I feel some of like for me personally, like I feel like I can act non-verbally almost even maybe better like verbally, like, cause I'm very expressive <laughs> with my face, you know? But we, let's go back to story because we watch, I mean, I, I definitely am always like, watch this, watch this, because I am a bit of a freak <laughs> and I watch a lot of stuff. But again, I want to go back to Tom Cruise, where it's like if you watch a lot of stuff and you learn a lot of stuff and you're absor- you know, absorbing a lot of stuff, then you do learn a lot of things from watching. Oh, totally. I just feel like the more you watch, the more you can work out what is good TV, good theatre versus what isn't. 
we were just talking about the idol which we both forced ourselves i still feel like you need to watch that stuff right you need to have a spectrum (laughs) i'm just glad it was only five episodes because that was the worst fucking show i've ever seen i think why do you think it was the worst show you've seen the story sucked like there was no fucking story really like it there was you know potential for this story about this broken pop star you know was traumatized and blah blah blah. but like they they just portrayed women so badly like we're just toys we're just bodies we're just manipulative yeah like that's it and like can we like i don't think there was a single episode that we didn't see like her tits (laughs) like at least like five times like why is it so necessary to like exploit women's bodies like that like it it takes away from the talent yeah it was already established that she was hypersexual from that very first video clip and that very first that would have been enough to set up the whole context of her sexual behavior like we get it that they have some you know supposed sexual connection which like we don't need to see so many sex scenes like it's just it was so unnecessary it was just too extra it really was too extra there was no character development like for I anybody think, I think for me and I'm sure you'll know this about me but I because I'm a writer and because I know how things are asked you know I usually give especially tv series like three episodes especially if it's like eight series because I'm like by the third episode the first one's always establishing everything so you kind of have yeah. to take that with a bit of you know, setting up the world, the character, the context. And the second and the third, if I'm not getting, like, story or character development, I'm kind of, like, losing interest. And I really I really will stick stuff out because I want to see mm-hmm. where they're going. That's was... a bad message for women, right? Like... I was so pissed off at that ending. Like, I was waiting for her to, like, really... I thought she was, um, you know, because she was, like... They, they were fucking with Tedros at the end be like oh no she says she's never heard of you before yeah. like I thought they were gonna keep fucking yeah. with him like yeah. I, thought, I thought she was gonna bring him on stage and exploit him or something and instead she's like he's the love of my life what yeah and then she's just like your mind like it's a control thing like now you're the abuser <sighs> I mean you're the you're the abused and I, it's like the dominatrix like I dominate you oh it's the worst piece of television i've ever watched honestly yeah. i'm gonna bring it up and i've said it a million times i was always taught to like don't show a gun if you don't plan on using the gun in a tv episode right mm-hmm. that's an extreme don't show a letter to a main character from another sub character if she's not going to read it or act on it like when the assistant leaves that letter there it's not addressed it's not there's no ramification it's like that scene was irrelevant then to me because it didn't have anything to do with Jocelyn's redemption or her character or like apology or I understand too that it's like yes it's the industry and that's how they treat people like you could look at it like that but anyway such a disappointment I want my five hours of life back let's wrap it up but what what message would you say to people who who are thinking about acting do it and if you want to do it as a job you know you have to invest in yourself um one time when I told somebody a salty scene partner I had once um, that I had an acting coach, the first thing that they said was like, Oh, that sounds expensive. I'm like, it's an investment in my future. Like it's, there's no, you can't put a price on like your dreams. I think there are other, there's definitely a lot of free resources out there too. Yeah, totally. Like do your, do your research. Like, and yeah. um, 
you, you know, watch, watch a lot of things. That's a great way to like, like you said, it's a great way to like learn is by watching others, like go to community theater, go to Broadway if you can watch, you know, there's a lot of recorded plays on YouTube and stuff, you know, watch things that you're interested in because that's all a learning, you know, how you learn. They always say, if you want to be a good writer, read scripts, read every script. Yeah. Read- yeah. I read scripts I don't like. So horror is not my favorite genre, but read everything, read every genre, read every style, read every, just read. Yeah. And it's the same with you with acting, just watch and read yeah. and also read the scripts, the stage plays. Like, yeah, definitely. I need to read some more scripts this summer now that I'm not in any show. I'm a bookshop in New York. I definitely need to go there because they put the Primer Faces script in there and a few other bits and pieces. So, Oh, yeah, that's like right near the acting studio, actually. Yes. Well, I'm very excited to see what you do. Everything you've done has been amazing. I am biased because you are in my own thing and you know even you have good taste though obviously but we have things in the pipeline that we're working on and I'm excited to see what you do I think you're incredibly talented and oh, I'm excited to see yeah I'm really excited to see what you do but not only are you talented you have the right work ethic which as someone in my position I was like that is that is a big deal like can you mm-hmm. show up on time can you do what I ask you to do because otherwise it's it's work it's not just like here's a script off we go yeah. Right. And that goes back to the, you know, being lazy, entitled and fear will keep you, you know, hold you back. Because uh, there is a lot of talented people that are lazy and entitled and think, well, I'm talented, so I don't have to work that hard. I don't I can show up whenever I want because I'm the talent, you know, and that's people don't nobody wants to work with anybody like that. All right. My final quick fire questions to you are favorite song in Wicked. <gasps> oh, if you had to just pick one. To pers- just to- for this moment. This moment. So favorite, good. Favorite character? Alphaba. Trick question. My okay. favorite character. Alphaba? Dr. Dilmar? <laughs> no, he, he's like my favorite scene. I think my favorite character is Fiero. Yeah, him too. That's a really hard question because I love Fiero too. I love, I just love everything about Wicked. I love every piece of Wicked. Oh, I, and I love Glinda too. It's really hard. Do you have a favorite scene in, in the show? Oh man. Um, yeah, I think I really love the Dr. Dilliman scene. Um, I like that. That's like the first point in the show that I cry. <laughs> I like to leave messages going something bad. <laughs> because I live in Australia. Play on words with Oz in Australia. I love that. I think, like after interval when they and sh- they arrive like at the Emerald City and it's all the green. Like that's my favorite. Oh yeah, that too. It's just oh. a steampunk green costume. And then and then the ending because it like always just like rent like just my heart breaks for everyone like the ending oh my god it's just so good if anyone hasn't seen wicked you have to fucking see it period we're gonna be popular it's just so good (laughs) it's just it's brilliant it's perfection it's literally perfection there's a reason why it's been running for so long yeah that's you know what that's a really good i think gauge like if you're not super into theater like there's a reason why lion king fan like there's a reason why it's just yeah. a matter of finding what you get enjoyment out of. 
I need to see Lion King. People are really anti-musical. I find it interesting because I think they think it's just music the whole way through. I know. I don't get it. Well, yeah. I wanted to thank you so much for sharing those insights. I think, you know, everyone starts somewhere and I'm super excited to see where you go. I'm super excited with what you've done and I'm glad we met so we can keep critiquing Broadways and working <laughs> on stuff together. Yes, I am so glad we met. I manifested you, just so you know, <laughs> and Chris. And <laughs> I literally, I said last summer, literally, universe, send me the people I need to know for my acting career. And poof, thank you so much for um, trusting me to play Tess and for having me on your podcast. And I can't wait to create more work with you.